Happy New Year and thank you for joining the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. My name is Noreen Foy and I would like to personally thank everyone for their support of our first year. In this special episode, my co-host Catherine and I will be giving a recap of our thoughts and feelings on each episode and I'll be sharing some insight on what's to come for the new year. Her sweet five-month-old baby girl also made her debut and you'll hear her putting in her two cents because it's that mommy life. We're so excited to share this with you, so let's get started. Welcome to the Save Our Sisters and the Save Our Sisters Unplugged end of the year recap. Both platforms were created to basically help women of all ages to use their voices, share their stories of survival and free themselves. My passion for helping women stem from situations in my childhood where I've had some events that happened that led me to believe that no one was standing in the gap for me. So in like, I would like to stand in the gap for other women. So today we have with us the lovely Catherine and her cute baby girl, Ishelle. She's making her first Save Our Sisters debut. <laughs> and uh, Catherine, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, well, good evening. I was going to say morning, but good evening, everybody. My name is Catherine Warren. Um, it's a pleasure to be here today with Miss Noreen. And, you know, over the course of the last year, I've had the opportunity to listen to the majority of the Save Our Sisters podcast that you and some of your circle have created. So I'm really looking forward to getting to kind of talk a little bit about those and recap the year with you and talk about what your plans are for the upcoming year. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you coming on here and doing this with me and being patient to all of the challenges that we've been having. Let's just call them that. <laughs> so the first episode that we did for the Save, Us is Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast was Women in the Military. And Chelsea Wolf was grateful enough to give us some insight into what happens in the military and just some things that happened to her personally. So she definitely shared a little bit of herself as well. The, the reason why I wanted to showcase women in the military stemmed from the young lady in Texas that committed suicide. Apparently she was attacked there and it was covered up by the military personnel and it was all over the news. And so I wanted to have some discourse about it. So what did you think when you heard her story? I remember, I, I don't, I can't remember the exact story that she told, but I do remember um, listening to hers and I was very just taken aback by her experience that um, she went through in the military, having to hide things and have people not believe her. Um, unfortunately, I would assume that's something that happens very regularly in the military. I have a few friends that have served in the military, some being women, and I would be heartbroken to think that something like that could ever happen to them. Yeah. I really hated hearing about all of that. It made me feel a kind of way because I really hate that society makes it as though women are so low on the totem pole that the things that we go through don't matter. The first mind is always to just dismiss it or she's lying. It's like if a woman gets raped, the first thing people would say is, oh, well, she was wearing short shorts. Now you're going to make it her fault, not the person. No. You know, so I really hate when those types of things happen. And then to hear all the things that she went through in the military herself, she was also sexually attacked by someone that she knew and trusted. And I didn't like how that went off. She didn't report it, but 
I, I definitely liked that she had created uh, a system of support, like a check and connect, so to speak, so that all of the people in her tribe would check in with each other. If you're going somewhere, you would let folks know who you're going out with, where you're going out, what time you plan on being there. Even shoot a text of the, shoot, the license plate. I mean, I used to do that. <laughs> I used to do that in just regular dating world. You know, I always told somebody who I was going with, first, last name. I would tell them, hey, we're in this car or we're meeting here. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's crucial in today's, you know, <laughs> in today's world. Um, I do that all the time, even if I'm just going out with colleagues or anything. I always let people know where I'm at and who I'm with. In the case that something should ever happen, I always want to have some kind of checks and balance system with the people that I trust and the people who I know are waiting for me to come home at night. Exactly. And then you'd say, hey, call me when you get home or at least text me. And then once you get that text, you're like, okay, I can breathe now, now that they're safe. So showcasing those instances of women in the military, I think was really, really good. I think I, I got a lot of good feedback from it. A lot of people are still in there, so they can really be a whistleblower, so to speak. But I'm hoping that the news media putting a spotlight on that situation, I'm really hoping that that type of behavior diminishes. And the folks that are actually doing it, I'm really hoping that they hold them to a whole different standard because these are subordinates. People have entrusted you with them, that you're there to do a job. In this little military community, shouldn't have to worry about that. You're supposed to, as policemen are, serve and protect. I think you're still under the same umbrella. You're protecting our country, but you still should be able to protect each other. I don't understand why that concept is so lost on folks, you know? Right. And I think that profession, you know, the military, police force, things like that, um, that were at one point a predominantly male-oriented career path is becoming more populated by women who are going into those fields and into those services. And so I hope that with more women making it into more high-range leadership roles, that there will be a stronger community for women to be supported through those professions and they don't feel like they have to hide behind the quote-unquote male standard. Exactly. And there was one thing in there that she said that I really liked. She said when she first started, somebody offered to help her and she said, no, don't help me. I have to be able to do this on my own because if this is going to be my job and my path, I, I have to build the stamina in order for me to lift this many things. And so she really created that pathway for her to build the stamina to do what she needed to do so that she would be aligned with everybody else, male or female. So I, I kind of really like that she just didn't say, hey, oh, yeah, go ahead and do it. Because as you know, you have to do the job. Right. Somebody's going to evaluate you at some point. So I, I thought that was good that she did that. So we want to move on to the second one. Sure. Phenomenal Woman was the second one. And I gave it that title because... Well, she's a phenomenal woman. I mean, she's accomplished so many things. So Vanessa Alexander was my host for that one. And she told her story. I mean, we talked about a lot of things. I mean, she had a lot going on. And, and I wanted to name the episode Women with Many Hats, but I thought that was too long. <laughs> but she literally does wear many hats. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's an author. She actually used to work at David's Bridal and she helped me pick my wedding dress. <laughs> So she is very talented. And when I first met her, she was working at the jewelry store. <laughs> so she really had a lot going on. But in her episode, she talked about her weight loss journey. 
and the journey to starting her clothing line, which I thought was very, very exciting. First of all, the weight loss journey was phenomenal for me because, I mean, you know, we're all on our own journey. <laughs> and so she went through her, she lost like 89 pounds. And when she turned 40, oh, I'm telling her age, she's probably going to kill me. <laughs> But when she turned 40, she had lost so much weight. I was like, oh my gosh, I think a girlfriend of mine, she wanted to lose 50 pounds by the time she turned 50 and she gave herself like a year to do it. I don't have that goal. I'm just going to be who I am at 50 because I only have about six months and uh, I'm not putting that kind of <laughs> pressure on myself. What did you like the most about her story? Yeah, I would have to say this was probably my favorite podcast that you've done so far. I've liked all of them, but this one I think was just very um, home hitting for me as someone that has always been on a weight loss journey and someone that has been in relationships that weren't necessarily the healthiest. What I really liked about her story was about how she talked about being in the wrong relationship can be very damaging to us personally. And once you can rid yourself with something like that, which is a very hard thing to do, yeah. and then get yourself into something that's great and uplifting, your life can drastically change. Um, and so I, I really loved her story about how once she was able to let go of the things that were holding her down, she was able to rise above so high. Um, I actually had the opportunity to follow her on social media after hearing her podcast and reading her first book. I saw she just recently released her second one, yes. which I still need to order and read. Um, but I love seeing her success journey now that she is in a great place in her life and has the support that she needs and is just in a place mentally where her head's on straight and there's right. people that are not holding her down and, and um, taking away her opportunities. So I, I was very moved by her podcast with you and all of the messages that she gave to not just women, but men as well. And just about don't settle, do what you have passions for and make sure the people who are in your corner are really in your corner. Absolutely. And I really love your assessment of that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I, I really got deep into it and, and I have to agree with you. I really liked her story the most because it was so multifaceted. She had so much going on, but nothing that she went through, even in her marriage, she never let that stop her. I really felt like, gosh, she can do all that. There's one thing that she said in, in, in her episode that just stuck out for me. She said, if you do something for about 21 days, it becomes a habit. And I was like, oh man, that's a long time. I mean, I've tried to come off sugar and I'm looking at the calendar like, oh my gosh, I'm on day three and I'm ready for like a couple <laughs> scoops. <You know? laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna ever make it to 21 days. <laughs> but that just stuck out for me that she had said that. And I was like, oh, 21 days becomes a habit. So after that, it's just like mindless. You just walk in, you do it, it's done. But me, I need to just not buy the sugar or I need to not know where the sugar is so that my mind can stay aligned with my goal. <laughs> right, right. I think another thing that really stood out to me in her podcast was about how she had someone who said something very mean to her that stuck with her. Although that was very hard for her to fathom the cruelty, um, that was also part of the motivation behind her changing her life. And so I think that's one of the things that I know I have struggled with my whole life um, just hearing things like that, those simple words that sometimes we use as jokes or we use to describe something funny um, can actually be very, very hurtful. And I know now being a mother to a daughter, I am very cautious, even at this young baby age of what words I will use around her, because I don't want her to ever think that people calling her those names is going to be okay. 
Um, and I don't want her to think that women or men calling her names like that are going to be okay. So I think that was a really big home hitter for me is how the use of one word to someone can drastically change the mindset that they have in themselves. Yeah, and, and I agree with you right there because I have been so careful the rhetoric that I use with my own daughters. It hits different when it comes from your parents. And so even if I'm upset, I really, really try to find the words that I can put in there that cannot crush their whole spirit. You know, I think it's so important that we're mindful of that. And of course, in relationships, I, I didn't have the best myself. I have been through it as well. And I'm in a good, healthy one now where I'm actually getting my name called that my parents gave me. And I think mom and dad did such a beautiful job. My name is Noreen. It means woman of honor. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I totally try to live up to that. <laughs> but it, words definitely hurt. They cut deep and they resonate. And like you said, you're mindful of what you're going to be telling your daughter when she grows up with understanding. That's one thing that I've always told my son because of the way I have been treated. I always say you be careful how you speak to her. You don't want to normalize certain things. You want her to have respect. So at one years old, she was like, Mimi, I'm beautiful. And I was like, who told you that? She's like, my daddy. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and right now I tell her, you are brave, you're beautiful, you're strong and you're smart. We want to sow those seeds to build that self-esteem. We don't ever want anything else to creep in and take over because once those words settle, they're going to go through your entire body and then you're going to believe it. And we definitely don't want that. Right. So the next one we did, I actually did this one, was taking control of your life. That was episode three. And I kind of told a little bit of my story in this one. Not a whole lot because... God only knows I'll probably need like six episodes just to tell that. But I really wanted to just tell a little bit of myself and how I grew up. And I, I could have said a whole lot more. I grew up in a very conservative Christian household and it wasn't the healthiest situation. And I think that's where a lot of my self-esteem grew. I never felt hurt. I never felt protected. I, being a child six of nine, I don't think anyone ever saw me. I was just quiet and I always went into a shell and I just felt like I was there. Like I thought my father was my friend right up until I found out that my father was doing things he should not be doing. And that changed the dynamic for me with our relationship. I was very disappointed. I'm still very disappointed. And they would never speak about the things that they've done and they never apologize for it. We are all, myself included, left to just move on without the apology. And so I talked about being with my ex-husband because when I moved from my parents' home, they lost us due to domestic abuse. So we went into the foster home. I was almost abused there. The foster lady caught the guy. It was actually her brother. She caught him in the act. And um, she never said anything to me. She never apologized. She didn't even ask me if I was okay. None of that. And so after two years there, moved into a family member's house. She was having domestic abuse. It was like I was moving out of the frying pan into the fire, you know? I was 15 at the time. I slept with a knife under my pillow because her husband was abusive. He would be hitting her almost every night. She wouldn't let us help. The door would be locked. And so my younger sister and I were left to feel from our vantage point. She's six years younger than me. 
it was destroying my soul. And so it was essentially set up to make it seem like domestic abuse was normal because had it in my own home, had it in the foster home, here I am in another place where I'm supposed to be protected. And I never had any control over my life. I was just basically moved from place to place. So once I got into a marriage, I came in with so much on my shoulders. And in hindsight, I probably should not have gotten married because here he comes with all of his stuff and our stuff just clashed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So everything was just really out of control. I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to let any of that stop me from what I want to do. I went out and I got my degree. I actually got two degrees while I was going through divorce, raising three children and working two jobs. And I always told my kids, I said, I don't ever want to hear you complaining about not getting your degree. I said, because if I can do it with all that I had on my back at the time, you have one job. There's no reason that you can't do yours. You know what I mean? That episode kind of like highlighted my journey to doing that and the steps that I took to really take control of my life. Because here I am about to be in the middle of it, my silver birthday, <laughs> and I want to travel. You know, my kids are all grown. The nest is empty. I can kiss the little ones and send them back to their parents. That's where I'm at right now. And I just wanted to just take control of my life. So now the things that I've put into place, I'm actually implementing them. Hence this podcast. This is one of the things that I love. I love to talk to people, but I wanted to also just share a little bit of myself so that folks would understand I have a story too. And maybe my story would unlock your prison. That's where I went with that one. When I listened to it, I remember that's when I was first kind of getting to know you. And I remember telling your son, I was like, I learned a lot about your mom on that podcast, you know, um, pieces that I think as I've gotten to know you, you do talk um, openly about some of those pieces and then other pieces that I think you just shared very authentically in your podcast. I felt like I got to know a lot more about you and I was saddened that you had to go through things like that because I don't think anyone should ever have to experience the hardships like that. And unfortunately, it seems that, that a lot of people do. But I think that over the last almost year that I've gotten to know you, I see how your experiences have shaped you into the woman that you are um, in the way that you care for other people and the way that you advocate for people and the way that you always just want the best for everybody. So as hard as some of those experiences are, and I'm sure were for you, I think that it has made you into, just like the title of your last podcast, A Phenomenal Woman. Um, and I know that over you know the course of your years, I'm sure that there are still things that come up that hurt and that you have to deal with and go through. And some of those things we don't ever fully heal from, but I think we learn from them and we continue to be better from them. And so I, um, I'm i glad that I got to hear those words from you and that authentic, like candid side from you. I know we have a lot of candid conversations just every day when, you know, we pop in and have conversations, you know, uh, but I like hearing it in that manner where you could sit down and just be a storyteller. Um, and I think that to the public here, it really just shared a lot about you. And from what I know of you, I think you're a wonderful woman. And then hearing about your experience through life I think that makes you even more wonderful to know that you've endured all of that and it's still come out on top. Well, I, I really, I really appreciate that because yeah, we were just starting to get to know each other when you listened to it. And I appreciated that you just, Johnny on the spot, you just got right to it and you just started to listen. You was like, yeah, listen to him when I got dressed and you sent your feedback immediately. And I was <laughs> like, this is what I'm talking about. 
Because you're not just sharing your story. You want to inspire other people, but you want people to see you. And that was the point of it is, is being child six of nine. I, I never felt like anyone saw me. And so when you said that, I was like, sis gets me. She knows me. <laughs> just like Facebook. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I thought it was really amazing that you did that. And yeah, some of the stuff that I shared, I didn't even know that's what I was going to share. That's not the direction that I set out to do while I was doing that. But that's what came out. That's what came out. And, and that's what happens when you're being your authentic self. And I've had people that are close to me when I tell them stuff or something would come up and then it would be appropriate to incorporate that into the conversation. And they start to cry. And I guess I'm so um, numb to it now that when they cry, I'm thrown off guard. I appreciate the empathy, but it has definitely shaped me into the woman I am. And there are a lot of things that impacted the way I raise my children, the people I bring around them, just based on what my father did. I've grown so much. I mean, the things I went through in my marriage, the people that I vet to be in my life, like right now I'm protecting my peace. I don't let anybody toxic come into my life. So there are some people that we both know, they are on pause right now because I can't allow people to set me back. I've come so far to where I'm at right now and I can't let negativity set me back. Like today, like I always say, the devil is not going to win today. This next one that we did kind of ties into my story and it's because it's Surviving Child Sexual Abuse by Empress V. And Empress is actually my sister and she shared her story of what my father did. And that was the reason why my younger sister and I was removed from the home. It was incest and it's a disgusting thing. There was one time I was going home to visit my parents and I remember it like it was yesterday, it was 2012, three days before I was supposed to travel. She called me and she had dad on the phone and she told me to mute. And needless to say, I heard him admitted with my own ears and it just crushed my soul to hear him say the things that he was saying to her. And for her to share that, I mean, she came to me and she said, you know what, Noreen, I want to share my story. I want to inspire other women. I want to let them know that they're not alone. I want them to know that there's somebody out here that really knows what they're going through. And she's a big advocate for that. And so she is really active in that space. I was so proud of her. But the thing is, I had so much anxiety doing that podcast with her because it, it hit home. It, it's literally home. And some of the things that she shared, I didn't know. She's four years older than me. And it was very enlightening and awakening to really hear all the things that she had went through. And I cried through some of it, but I had to like really focus and pull it together so that we can finish it without the crying in the recording. <laughs> and it was hard to really be professional about it because uh, it's personal. I guess it was a little bit strategic to have it right after me telling a bit of my story, but then have her tell it because she was the one that was more affected than anyone else. She was sexually abused, but three of my older sisters were fondled. Well, wait a minute, two of my older sisters were fondled, but she was sexually abused. And then as a result, myself and my younger sister were removed from the home. I was next in line for that nonsense, but I knew that there's no way that that was going to go down with me because the person that I was, even at such a young age, I was 13 when people found out about it and the protective services came and removed us. I just knew that 
there's no way that that could have been me. And not saying that I was some Brenda bad A or anything. I just had a spirit in me at such a young age that he would literally have to kill me to do that. And I never had a fear of him. So when she told her story and and she told of all the things, I was so disgusted. Like, I, I think I went underground after that. I went underground because I had to really process everything all over again because it was really triggering because that one event led to so many other things that happened to us in life. Now she is a, a very successful loctician. Anyone that has dreadlocks, if they need anything done to their hair, she'll tell them how to condition it. If you come in with an inch of locks, she can add more into it. You can be draping down your back by the time you leave her shop. She has always been really good with hair. And I'm so proud of her. She has her new product line. And now she's at the time of the podcast. That's where she stopped. But now she's actually an arbitrator and mediator. So she is the co-owner of George and George ADR business with our brother. They run that business and they're going to be doing mediation services, which is cheaper than getting a divorce, apparently. Had I known that, <laughs> would have gone that route instead of going through a lawyer. But hey, each one teach one. <laughs> right. Um, when you recorded that one, I remember um, we were, I think we were out on a walk and you were telling me about the recording of that one, but you didn't really share what it was about. But I remember you saying there was a lot of like static, you know, kind of because it was done through the car speaker phone, oh, yeah. the speaker phone. And that you said, um, I remember you said, I kind of want to redo it where it's clearer, but I, it was such a heavy topic. I don't think that I can actually redo that one. Um, and then when I listened to it, I totally understood where you were coming from after you had made that comment. And I remember vividly. I was getting in my car and driving somewhere and then I went to work that day and I was listening to it on my way to work. And I just remember I, I was left absolutely speechless after hearing that one. It was just torturous to know that somebody had ever gone through something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I know that happens a lot in homes with parents that just aren't great parents to kids sometimes and that too many young girls and boys endure horrible actions like that. Um, and so, yeah, that one made me feel very uncomfortable. I remember I was telling my partner about it that night. We were just talking about the podcast and I was like, let me tell you about this podcast and what I heard on it. And he was like, I, I don't want to hear that because those are people that I know. And so I know that was hard for him to hear me even like sharing about what I learned on the podcast because he doesn't ever want to know that people have to go through things like that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I, I, I still don't even know that I have words for that one um, because it was just <laughs> so hard to listen to. And that would be one I don't even know that I could probably go back and revisit because I was just blown away that um, and the vivid details that she shared about the things that she had gone through and the way that her other parent covered it up and let it happen to her. I think that was the hardest part to listen to that she took all of that on behalf of her siblings so that they didn't have to. And uh, yeah, it was sad. It was very yeah. sad to say the least. Yeah, it was definitely sad. I, I agree. It was definitely sad. And for parents to do that in their younger ages and be Christians and not think that an apology is necessary when the Bible clearly speaks of it. 
it's really hard for me to accept any type of religious advice from them. So when I call and speak with them, when they start in with that, well, it's mostly my dad. My mom doesn't really get into the Bible. I think right now she's fighting her own demons. I think she has early stages of dementia. And so I think she has short-term memory loss. She, she already thinks that Anyway, let's just say her memory is just not in the best place and you can't convince her otherwise that she's having a problem or to go ahead and get it checked. You know, people in their 80s, they're set in their ways. You can't force them to do anything. You know, what do you do, right? Right. So they have not apologized to her. And that's just one part of what happened to her. There has been so many other things that as a result of that one act that happened that we can't even fathom why people would be that evil. I know evil is a strong word, but I think it fits. And it's because- Oh I, yeah. Yeah, I think it's because it's personal, it, it fits. Yeah, it, it. you know, I think listening to that, I had not yet had my child, um, but I think, and I'm sure, I mean, you've had three children. So as soon as you first know you're about to have that child, you know, your first one, it's like, you just think about all the bad things in the world that could ever happen to them and how it's your job as the mother to keep them safe, you know? And so um, I know, like, I, I think every single day, I don't want to send my child here or leave them alone there because they exactly. awful things do happen, you know? And um, I think what was the hardest part of that story was it was her own mother that was covering it up. And so as someone who was a mother-to-be at that time of listening to it, I just thought, how how could you not protect your child, you know? Um, I think at that point, it doesn't even matter if you love your partner, um, your child is who you need to protect in any situation. First come, first serve, your child is there. Um, oh, and so I think it taught me a lot just about the world and what's out there and how we as women and mothers have to really protect our children because we can't depend on other people to do that sometimes. Absolutely. And, you know, an incident uh, similar, my daughter had a, a situation that happened to her um, that she felt the strongest person in the house was my ex-husband. And she went and told him. And so she figured if he didn't do anything, no one else would do anything. So she never told me until 10 years after it happened. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart because of my history. I would have done so many things. I mean, people would have been locked up. There would have been a full investigation. We never know who it was, but it just really broke my heart that I could have essentially protected her if she trusted me with the task. Mm. And it's the fact that she didn't tell me or she didn't feel I could handle it is what I struggle with. And I, I really hate that there are stigmas out there that depicts what women's roles are or their strength or how they would handle certain situations. And, and it depicts the man as the, the strongest in every situation. And I think, I personally think women are stronger than men. We are mentally tough, okay. you know, <laughs> mentally and physically and physically because God chose us to carry the babies for a reason. Okay. Our bodies are designed to handle it. And so is our mind because you have to be really mentally stable to carry a child. Oh, yeah. You have to, you, have to, you go through so many emotions. You've got this seed inside of you. It's going to be growing. You, you're not even sure when you get through a trimester, you're like, Phew. Okay, this one's gone. Let's see what the next one brings. And so you really have to go inside yourself. So her story, anyway, her story just really threw me for a loop because it, I'm familiar with it, but it just goes also to the women of that time. Women have been groomed to, listen, the man is the head of her household. You can't do anything. 
as much as you try. And then sometimes when you try to defend yourself, you're judged. You're judged. You're like, you're not submitting. So I think women of that time are caught in a warp of what should I do? But I think we, yeah. I, and I think women in my time are, are savages. Like we won't stand for that. <laughs> I, I'm all the way there. Right? Yeah. I'm savage. I'm savage. <laughs> We're savage. So that one was a definite tearjerker for sure. I also did Girl Talk Relationships with Mickey and Sharon. And we talked about all things relationships. I mean, we touched on some sex tips. We touched on red flags in relationships. They shared some of their stories. I, I think that one was pretty funny. They brought their personalities in it for sure. <laughs> they definitely did. And um, I, I enjoyed doing that one with them. I mean, we were cracking up. <laughs> I liked that one um, because for the first time in my life, I'm actually in a good relationship and I've been in plenty of bad ones. <laughs> um, and so I took a lot of things that they shared in that talk. And I think you spoke also about things that you've learned in your relationship. So, I mean, amongst all of you, you shared a lot about relationships. And I remember taking little pieces. I, I remember I had asked my partner that night, I said, do you like me? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, I was listening to a podcast and they said, you can like, or you can love, you know, your partner, but you have to like them too. And um, so every night I always say, do you still like me? And my partner always goes, yeah, of course. You know, like, okay, I'm just making sure. And that's like our little inside joke is that I always ask, do you still like me? Um, because I took that away from from that podcast about, you know, the <clears throat> the way that you have to be able to interact with your partner and the things you have to be able to share and conquer together. Um, and so I really enjoyed that one because it taught me a lot. I mean, I love to get advice and um, just hear stories of people who have been in good relationships. And I think be able to hear from people who haven't been in good relationships and who have made it out of those and who have been able to like uh, change their life and find someone that is going to add to their life. Um, and so I like hearing advice from people who are in those good, stable relationships because I have found myself to be in what I think is one. And so it's good to know how we make that last and maintain it. We're almost a year in. And so I know we have a long time to go. Um, and I mean, what I've learned in this first year of my relationship is it is hard. Relationships are very, very hard. Um, and so to maintain them and to make them last and to make them um, successful, you know, it takes a lot of hard work. And so we're just about one year in. And so these people who have been married for, for multiple years and um, oh, yeah. who've made it last, I know it, it probably takes a lot more work than what I have had to put in already. So, um, yeah, I liked that one a lot because uh, it gave me perspective on on good relationships. Yeah, I really liked um, recording that one, too. And it, it, it definitely I didn't know where it was going to go. I, I definitely did not know where it was going to go, but it went to a really good place. And I think we did give off a lot of good advice, but we had fun with it, too. So it was really good. And like you said, the three of us had diverse relationship experiences. Whereas one of the young ladies, she was in a thruple. And I've only seen that on TV. I didn't know <laughs> folks was out there thruppling up. <laughs> I just sat back and listened to that one because I was like, wow, how does that go? But, you know, it was a judgment-free zone. We're not judging anyone. I mean, everyone has their path, what works, what doesn't work. I mean, I have a, a, a girlfriend, she's in a polygamous relationship. Like, it's legit. They go out, her and her husband, and they pick up a girl. And they have rules for it. Like, 
there's not gonna ever be another guy involved. The girl has to like them both. Like they both have to like her. Can't be like one person's attracting her. And and I was sitting there like, what? This goes against everything. So I'm like, is polygamy the new solution to cheating? <laughs> you just give in and just invite sis in. What is that all about? Yeah, you know, I see a lot of, uh, I, I've seen how a lot of people have made TikTok, you know, their platform to tell stories and share their life. And granted, we only see what they put on social media, um, but I've seen a lot of people share about their experiences with polygamy. Um, and I, I mean, to each their own, whatever, you know, whatever their lifestyle is, that's that's their lifestyle. I know for me, I'm too selfish. I don't want to share my partner, nor do I want to be shared. Exactly. So, you know, um, I, I mean, if that's if that's how people live, then that's totally fine. And that's, you know, what they prefer and what they choose and their rules and um, things like that. But I know for me, I am strictly, you know, I do not want anyone else to want me, you know? And I think one thing that I share with my partner all the time is one of my favorite things about a relationship is that I get to share with them and experience them and share myself in a way that nobody else gets, you know, like our late night conversations and our 3 a.m. pillow talks and things like that. Um, you know, and even I'm not very good at showing my emotions, but he has seen every emotion of me, <laughs> you know? And so those are things that I share with him um, that I don't share with public and with just anybody. And the thing that he shares with me, the conversations that he doesn't share with other people. I love those intimate details of a relationship that no one else gets. And so I couldn't imagine having to share that with multiple people or oh my God, you know, knowing my you? partner sharing that with multiple people. So I, I appreciate that part of a relationship and I know I would not want to, to add in anything or anyone else to and who has that kind of time <laughs> or energy right and what what man wants to piss off two women or three <laughs> i mean polygamy can include a harem like i mean i don't know how many chicks are down for this stuff there's these couple of shows that i've seen come on tlc sister wives and then there's one that says five wives and i'm like oh my gosh it, it, one guy five women i'm like jeez louise why yeah yeah Why? i couldn't imagine but <clears throat> that's how some people live and that's fine with me if that's them but don't invite me because i'm gonna have to turn yeah. you down <laughs> and you said earlier you don't want anybody you don't want anybody to want you i'm like listen they could want me all they want they're not gonna get me i'm not into that <laughs> you look I, okay i guess it is flattering <laughs> you know yeah i mean we want to be wanted honey but no there's only a even what even with dating like i was never that person to have like multiple dates like i can't first of all i tried to date online you know everybody's talking about this pof pof i'm like what is that <laughs> and it's like yes plenty of fish it's like a dating site and i go on there and you meet these weirdos i was like is this a is this a booty site like is this a booty <laughs> site people go on here to hook up i couldn't even keep up i felt like i needed an excel spreadsheet to keep up with the people, put their name and what they like and what you talked about last. Because you have all these people coming at you, and I was like, I gotta get off this. I I, I can't do it. Not even virtual. I couldn't even do it. I do it. Really. I used to be the master at juggling every anybody and everybody just for those conversations and um, things like that. I remember one time my students, she had two different guys that were talking to her. And she had asked her friends, you know, like, how do I, how do I manage this? And they said, you know who you need to talk to? Catherine. And so they <laughs> asked me if I would go to dinner with them one night and we went to dinner. And I was like, so why are we at dinner? And they were like, we need some advice. How do we balance two people at once? 
And I was like, why did you come to me? And they said, because we know you are the master. <laughs> so I I have since turned over my days. I, I was joking, I think with you yesterday when I was like, yeah, literally two people text my phone, which is you and your son. And that's about <laughs> it. So I don't have to balance anything anymore. Yeah, that's too much of a juggle for me. But um, but yeah, we definitely had fun with that one. Um, I felt it was time to take a break and I, I did a sister check-in. And that was just to say, hey, how's everybody doing? COVID's out there still. How are we processing all of that? And then I used the acronym for women. Did you hear that one in there? I did. It's been a while since I listened to it because I remember you had put that one on TikTok, right? Yes, I did put that. Yeah, I, so I think that's when I had first looked at your TikTok page. And that's when Violetta was trying to show me how to use TikTok. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> this is where I'm at in life. The baby has to show me how to work the technology, <laughs> which I should have brought her in for this whole life thing. She might have been able to just whip us right through. <laughs> but yeah, I, I put in the acronym for women, which is well-educated, opinionated, motivated, empowered, and necessary. And of course, I went into all the details of what that means because women are the bomb and people just need to know that. I mean, listen, we have raised whole countries. We have run countries. We have given birth to generations of kings and queens that run this world. So many women's groups started up in the pandemic. Oh my gosh, I must have been invited to at least 20 different groups, all different things, different people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like my, I'm gonna have to start purging my groups out. Like you accept because you know the person, but then you're not really interacting with the groups because you have so many things going on. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so this sister check-in was just to check in to see how everyone was doing. After that one, I figured, okay, let's get back into it. And then we did From Niger With Love with my girlfriend, Ifoma Manyago. And we talked about her migration to America from Nigeria. And that was interesting because she came over here to go to school. She already had her bachelor's degree, but she wanted to do her master's degree here in America. So she talked about that. And then she talked about the death of her youngest daughter. She carried her all the way full term, no problems, all the way to nine months. And then the baby, she just died. So wow. she shared all of that. Wow. Yeah, I, and that was one I haven't been able to listen to yet. Um, but that would I, I couldn't even imagine. I can't imagine. See, and you're looking at your beautiful baby girl here now. She's actually part of the podcast. <laughs> she's been putting in her two cents. <laughs> she always does. <laughs> See, she's a little woman. She's already motivated and opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> that she is, aren't you? <laughs> she is too cute. But it really made me cry because when I first met Ifoma, I met her at church and it was, I want to say it was December, January, February. It was two months after I had lost my sister mm. and I was really mad with God and I, I did not find the church home that I wanted. So uh, a friend of mine suggested that I go to this church and the pastor was from Nigeria and most of the congregation was from Nigeria. And so I said, okay, I'll go and check it out. And, and I liked it. They sang the songs that I grew up with in my childhood. And if anybody's listening to the podcast and they don't know where I'm from by now, I am from the Caribbean. And as we all know, due to the slave trade, the Caribbean islands was populated with slaves. 
So I totally got down with the culture and got down with some of the foods and some of the sayings and some of the mannerisms and even some of our language they use is a liking to some of the dialect that we use in St. Thomas. So when she was telling her story, I was familiar with some of the things that she was talking about because I had been going to this church and she was part of the church and she welcomed me in and she's the only one that I know smiles when she talks. <laughs> So every conversation we have, she's always smiling and I just love that about her. And for her to share her story of her educational path and she even talked about her marriage a little bit. And I think her story, especially the, the part of the pregnancy, I think every woman would hold their wounds after listening to her talk about that. It was really enlightening. Hmm. I will definitely, yeah, need to log in and listen to that one because I haven't had time yet, but That's um, I didn't see that one. <laughs> Yes, yes. I will definitely listen to it because um, it sounds very intriguing about her experience. I have had an opportunity to travel to multiple countries and um, I know education is a very big difference between what's offered here in the United States versus in other countries. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've been able to talk a lot with people who are from other countries that have come to the United States for their education. Uh, so I will be very intrigued to listen to hers. Yeah, she had a really good story. Yeah, I think you're really going to love it. And since you've traveled, you're probably going to be able to um, link the cultures together. What part of Africa did you travel to again? I've been to Burkina Faso, Burkina and then I Faso. also spent some time in uh, South Africa. Okay. South Africa is on my bucket list for sure. I need to go and see Mandela's cell. That's yes, really yes. We went to Mandela's cell and uh, his home where he grew up, well, where he lived. I bet that was really humbling. But um, yeah, her story was compelling. After we did that episode, we went into self-love and Tamara Parker was my co-host. We went through a lot of different scenarios on how we can show ourselves some love. And as women, wives, mothers, we always put ourselves last. And it's like, why? We have to really take a step back and say, hey, you know what? I need to love myself. Even if you take 10 or 15 minutes just to do a quick meditation or just to talk on the phone with somebody, just do something that you love, just something just for you. Like I need to get back to reading books, which means I need to buy Vanessa's book. And um, we talked about some tips to show yourself some love, like maybe going and taking bubble baths, lighting candles. But we also talked about the importance of self-love and where it shows up in our lives if we don't really give ourselves enough love. You know, people say before you get in relationships, you have to be so careful because if you don't love yourself, how can other people love you? You know what I mean? Right. When we went through that, we talked about so many different things in that area. I think um, everybody would like it. And I think COVID made everybody take a step back because now you can't go anywhere. You can't really do anything. You can't socialize. So you're home with your families or you're home by yourself. And some of the things that you've been putting off, you can definitely get into now because you have all this time now to just really take time for yourself. So if you wanted to go ahead and get that bubble bath or put your scented candles on and your favorite music and read a book. And if you can do that all at the same time, that's awesome. <laughs> so we definitely uh, went through a lot of that. And I think a lot of people really like it. We got a lot of good feedback on that. Of course, it's a women's podcast. I mean, everybody's listening to it, but it's geared towards women. 
because we want women to know it's okay to put yourself first sometimes. It's not selfish at all. Self-love is, is great for your mental health. So you have to always just make time for yourself. You know, even the small things and you're like a new mommy, you're going to have to really <laughs> take some time for yourself too. Yes, I have. I have learned that. I spent a year before I was pregnant and had just moved to Illinois. And I, um, I spent the year really focusing on myself. I had wanted to really work on my health and my fitness and really get to a place where I, I could really be okay with who I was and, and where my, my physical body was going. Um, and so I worked hard. I was in the gym every day. That was like my, my safe place for the day. That was my me time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got pregnant and COVID hit and I wasn't able to do all of that. Um, but I have since learned that I need to start making that time again, because having even just one child, I couldn't imagine having more than one. Um, but having one and my, my partner's children, when he's here, you know, three kids, there's very little time for me to do anything that is for me. Yeah. So. Um, yes, I, I think self-love is so important and just, you have to learn to appreciate yourself. And if you don't, then you're not able to demand the, you know, respect and appreciation that you should get from others around you. And so that's something that I have learned and am learning, and I'm sure will continue to learn as I grow into more of a woman and, you know, it older in my years and grow wiser. Older, older and wiser. That's always the goal. <laughs> And now you have a daughter, so you're definitely going to have to really pour that into her as well. But sometimes we're like, oh, I know I want to lie down and take a quick nap. But man, all these things are going to insert X, Y, Z is going to fall apart if I do. Or X, Y, Z is not going to get enough attention and love. Right. And, you know, even before I had a child, I run into that where it's so easy for me to do things for other people and mm -hmm. to assess their, you know, needs and wants and try to provide and cater to them that I always forget about myself and I always I can justify going and buying my child $50 worth of clothes that she probably doesn't need but they're cute <laughs> and then I need a new pair of shoes or some new work clothes and I'm like nope $50 is too expensive to spend on myself and so I think as mothers we do that all the time is you know we see things that our kids need and want and we want to be able to provide for them oftentimes we put ourselves last and if we even cater to ourselves at all um, exactly. And so that's something I think as we get older, that is something we learn is that you have to be able to refuel yourself because if you can't refuel yourself, you're not able to bring everything to the table that your friends and your family deserve of you. So, you know, you have to demand time for yourself to be able to care about yourself. And I am slowly learning that. I know that is a lesson that I have yet to fully grasp onto, but I am learning it and, and getting a little bit better at it day by day. Oh, and just because I'm the age that I am doesn't mean that I've hit my ceiling. I'm still learning certain things. I've learned to let go of a lot of things. I've learned to let go and let God, so to speak. And this is the year that I'm going to worry less. <laughs> I'm, I've already weeded through my friend circle and my village. And I've already decided who's going to stay and who's going to go. And people that are toxic, I've already weeded them out. And that, that's actually also a part of self-care and self-love. And I think that we really gave a lot of people a lot of uh, good information in that episode. The next one was with my calm diva. It's called The Extraordinary Life of a Calm Diva. And she is from Cameroon, my girl Perpetua. And she just gave birth about three days ago. <laughs> so I went and visited her today to see the brand new baby boy. He's so cute. Oh my gosh. Eight pounds, but he felt like 15, to be honest. He was a big boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, he was a two-handed baby too. Like he couldn't just one hand him. You needed to support his whole body because he has some meat on him. But she talked about her life. So with, with the FOMA, we talked about her life in Nigeria. And uh, with Perpetua, we talked about her life in her village, of which is calm, but she's from Cameroon. And the way that women are viewed there, did you get to listen to that one? I have not listened to that one yet. You're going to enjoy that one too because of your travels to Africa. And okay, your mind will be blown the way things are different. So one of the things that stuck out for me was she said that in her culture, you know, so here in America, how do I put this? If a man dies, his spouse would get stuff, get whatever is left. Hmm. Well, I think it's the opposite there. It stays in the man's family. So his sister would get it. But she, yeah. when you listen to it, you're going to be like, oh, wow. And I, I love hmm. that interview. She was so candid. She talked about domestic abuse in her marriage. She talked about how her family um, put it all on her. When is domestic abuse, just like any type of abuse against women, the first mind is always to blame the woman. And I really just hope that one day we would be able to change that stigma. But she was so candid about it. And I was glad that she had shared her story. She talked about getting her degree. She talked about her girls. And believe it or not, she wanted to grow up to be a model. Little girl in Cameroon, she wanted to grow up to be a model. But her daughter is actually a model. She has an agent and everything. She's done shows out in California they flew back and forth and her daughter is just 15 so I guess you know COVID slowed her down but yeah she's not living vicariously through her daughter but she didn't get to fulfill her dream but at least her daughter was able to fulfill hers at an early age but she is also well educated and she was so open about her relationship and you're gonna really enjoy that one too yeah I look forward to listening to that one and then one of my favorite ones, because I think I was the no queen, was the power of saying no. <laughs> and that's a shorter one. So if you, it's like eight minutes long. Um, so yeah, you'll be able to whip right through that and giggle. Because yeah, I listened to that one the other day. <laughs> listen, sometimes people have a hard time saying no. I am very comfortable. I have a very relaxed, well, not relaxed. I have a very close and intimate relationship with the word no <laughs> mm -hmm. I say no to myself yep I say no to myself a lot and I wasn't a people pleaser but I like to help people but over the years as I've gotten older and I realized that people don't give you what you're giving them I just started saying no to a lot of stuff mm -hmm. you want to do something no so even when the kids was growing up, I, I was probably like the no queen, you know, <laughs> I'm a processor. So when you ask me something, the first thing I'm going to tell you is, mm, let me think about it. <laughs> right, right. So my processing time has been cut down significantly with growth and maturity <laughs> and <Yeah>. trust. <laughs> What'd you think of that one? I, I like that one. Um, I know I've, it's taken me a long time to learn how to use the word no. Um, especially when it comes to things that are not enhancing my life. Um, I'm very quick to say yes. Well, I think over the time I've, I've started to learn no a little bit better, um, but yeah, I think sometimes I just, I remember reading one time that a lot of times when we want to please other people more than we want to please ourselves, right. that sometimes that can revert back to some kind of 
trauma that we've experienced in our life where either you felt abandoned or let down a lot. And so you want to compensate for that. Or I think I also read that um, sometimes when we say yes to everybody or we always try to please everybody else, it's because sometimes that's the response that we want other people to be able to provide to us that sometimes we don't necessarily get from other people. Um, and so I think I, when I was listening to that, I was really kind of assessing my life and how often I say yes to people and how often I don't turn down things that could probably be turned down. Um, I'm after becoming a mom, I've said no a lot more. Do you want to, you know, can you do this? No, I'm sorry. I can't. Yeah. Well, now you have a good excuse. I'm sorry. The baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're going to have a hard time saying no to her. I know. I remember my dad, the first time he met her, he was like, I wonder when your mom's going to start telling you no. Yeah. And I was like, probably not for a long time. You may when she turns two, because then they're up walking <laughs> and touching stuff. And you're going to be like, right. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a very important lesson to learn. And so even though it was a short little clip, I liked all the things that you shared in and just about um, being able to say no. And sometimes that is a self-care thing and taking time for yourself and, um, letting people know that they don't necessarily control your time, you control your own time. Exactly. Um, and that um, I think that's that's important to learn when we're parents, when we're colleagues, when we're friends with people, that sometimes we let other people dictate our time and and that's you know not necessarily how it needs to go. So I liked that one. I thought it was um, very fitting for where I'm at in my life and what I'm trying to learn a little bit more about myself. Well, good. I'm glad that you got something out of that. You're a very sweet person. And when I asked you even to even do this, you were like, oh, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and even with all the little issues that we had in doing it, you still hung in there with me. And I was like, man, this girl is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But saying no, like I said in, in the podcast episode, it, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you want to set healthy boundaries and healthy boundaries yep. are really good. Some people need boundaries and structure or else they'll just walk all over you. Right. And I think it's important to know too that no doesn't always mean no, never. It sometimes just means not right now. Exactly. Um, and that's what a lot of times people have to understand is if I'm saying no, it doesn't mean I'm never going to commit to it. But right now in this very moment or the moment that you're asking me about, I am unavailable. <laughs> and exactly. uh, I think that's what we have to um, expressed to other people is ask me again later, or let's set a different time that I could say yes, you know, when a yes will be involved. So exactly. And the next one we did was overcoming rejection. And <laughs> that's hard for people. I shared a story in there of overcoming rejection. When an ex of mine, we were thinking about having a baby and he really just rejected me because he felt like he would have a better shot at having a baby with a younger woman. That mean I have to untie her tubes if I'm going to go ahead and put my business all out there. <laughs> he just broke up with me, didn't say nothing. Just one day we're together, we're having a good time. And whoop, the next day he's like ghosting me and no explanation. We're done. Just sent, just sent a one-sided breakup text. First of all, who does that? And then it's only till I'm like maybe a year or so afterwards, he said the real reason that he did that as a, he could have kept that to himself. We were already broken up, but he decided to share that. And I was so much more insulted because I'm like, how dare you make a life decision without involving me? So that's what that one was all about. And, and it just gave some tips in there about how to overcome rejection and how to just really get yourself through that. Did you have time to listen to that one? Yeah, and I did. And I liked that you spoke about um, more than just relationships, because a lot of times 
we do feel rejection in a lot of different areas in our life, whether it's work or school or relationships or growing up. I think that this is something that I have dealt with my whole entire life. And especially, you know, from a very young age, being someone that knows absolutely nothing about my biological family. And so just from a very young age, wondering why was I rejected? And I think over the course of my life, I've learned to see it from a different standpoint, but I think rejection is something that we deal with, with all facets of our life. One of the things that really stood out to me about it. And I remember just thinking about this as I listened to, to your short clip on rejection was I'm a Christian woman. And a lot of times we say, we pray to God about where's my good job or where's the partner that I deserve, you know, and when are you going to give me this and give me that and provide that for me. And one thing that I remember hearing someone say and how I've kind of just looked at it um, in, in my life now is instead of asking God when he's going to give me something or when he's going to provide this or that, I turned it around and started asking God to prepare me and make me ready so that when that opportunity comes or when that person comes, then I am ready. Um, I'm the like holistic person that God needs me to be in order to take that job or in order to be that partner to somebody. Um, and so that's kind of the, the way that I've been able to turn rejection around is if it wasn't for me, then maybe I wasn't ready for it. And so I ask God, you know, make me ready so that when these opportunities come, I'm not feeling rejected, but I'm feeling that this was truly what it was meant to be. I agree. I, I totally agree with that. I did go into more than being rejected by in relationships because relationship doesn't always mean romantic. It could be friendship. It could be, like you said, work. It could be anything. It could be your relationship with yourself. Sometimes you reject yourself. Some people reject their bodies. They don't like how they look. They don't like their fat thighs. They don't like their big shoulders or me personally, I don't like how my neck is aging. I'd like to put some tightening cream on that before it gets out of control. But there's a lot of people that go through rejection without knowing how to manage that area of their life. So I had a good time doing that and even talking about it. I definitely really had a good time doing that one. I think it's something that, that a lot of people needed to really get into. So after we did that one, we went into mental health and wellness with Denise Bao. And um, she is actually an LCPC licensed clinical professional counselor. We talked a lot about mental health and wellness, the, the difference between mental illness and mental wellness. And with, with people still in the pandemic, you know, we touched a lot about that how people are mentally affected by the choice of the vaccine or not to choose the vaccine and everything in that space. I mean, we talk about a lot. I really enjoy doing that. I was really informed with some of that. We touched on some of the athletes that dropped out of their fields because they wanted to take care of their mental health and how the world reacted to that. My biggest one was Simone Biles. Simone is the chick. She is the one to look out for and She is a, a number one in her field. Like no one can beat her. And so, of course, Russia took the title this time because why? She took time for her mental health. So Russia got one win uh, on a default. And um, but the way the world responded is like they only cared about USA getting the win. They didn't care about how she was feeling. And listen, to be a gymnast, you really have to go into a headspace. You make one wrong move, you can hurt yourself. Yeah. She been doing those no armed um, <laughs> wheels and stuff. 
I still don't even know how people can throw themselves into the air to do one of those. So it just really angered me how everyone was really on their cases about that. Naomi Osaka was another one that took time out to handle her mental health. And in the Black community, mental health is not something that they really promote. They want everybody to keep their feelings inside, don't show any emotions and suck it up buttercup. And it's so unfair because when somebody's telling you something is going wrong with them, the least you could do is say, okay, tell me about it. Maybe I can help. You don't want people to be in a negative headspace, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and you think mental health is, it's a big topic right now. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, people have learned so much about their mental health, um, especially through the pandemic, as people suffered a lot of loneliness yeah. um, and a lot of time to just sit and sulk in their own feelings, their own mind, um, that sometimes we get so busy that we don't do that. Um, and so I am glad that's a topic that you were willing to put on your podcast to talk about, because a lot of times, I mean, I think there's still a big stigma with mental health, um, but stigma has also been broken over the years. Um, it's, it's a big thing. I mean, I, I think everybody probably has something or other that deals with their mental health. Um, whether it's sadness, depression, anxiety, other disorders. Um, I think everybody has some kind of things with their mental health that they need to work on, um, and that they need to tend to. And so that was very, that was a very important topic to hear. Um, I think, you know, what I, I remember listening to her talk about the difference between the mental illness and the mental wellness and how. It's so hard for people once they've kind of overcome that illness to continue to get um, services because at that point they're no longer medically needed. And that's a crazy mindset to have in today's society where it's like, okay, you've been treated for the initial problem, but now you need to either <laughs> go solve it on your own or pay tons of money in order to, to continue working. When we sit here and preach to everybody, work on yourselves, work on yourselves. And a lot of times we say, go talk to someone to do that. Um, it's but there's so, a cap. Uh, there's a cap on talking to someone. Yeah. It's, you know, you get three sessions and then you better have a lot of money saved in order to do it. Um, exactly. And so I, I appreciated that that was a topic that you hit on. Um, I really liked this one. Uh, I, I actually want to pursue my doctorate in counseling. Uh, and so I liked that perspective, that very like scientific perspective that she provided, an educational perspective that she provided, the books and the resources that she talked about. I actually sure. wrote them down because I want to look them up and just kind of get a head start in understanding a little bit more on what she spoke about. So yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, and I didn't even talk to her ahead of time about books and resources and all that. I mean, and and like I had said in the podcast, I'm like, this just goes to show how true you are in your space. I mean, you, you were ready. You know, you didn't have to get ready. She was ready. She already had them. So it just speaks to the trueness of who she is. She loves books. She loves to educate herself, stay on top of the things that are going on. The reason why I wanted to talk about mental health was because we were in a pandemic and not everyone was, um, what's the word? What are we doing? Um, not social distancing, but what are we quarantining? <laughs> not everyone is quarantining with someone that has their best interests. There's people that are in domestic uh, abuse yeah. relationships that are quarantining with abusive people. I had a friend that had spoken to me about it and um, he was like, yeah, the pandemic has not been kind to the kids. That really broke my heart. It just really yeah. broke my heart. And I was like, yeah, I suppose, um, yeah, if you're generally with a mean person and you can get out of the house and escape and now that the pandemic is here, you're on lockdown, you can't really go and have that escape. Everything's closed. I think about the kids that school used to be their safe space, their escape space. 
Um, and then, you know, a lot of kids, I know at the beginning of the pandemic or midway through that first year, there were cases of people who had um, turned to extreme measures like suicide because they had no escape at that point where they used to have an escape to school or to a counselor or to a group of friends or a friend's house that they could go to where that was their safe space. Yeah, I think mental health is becoming a big issue that we need to address in young, all the way down to the young people, uh, because that's where it's starting. The root of it is, you know, starting at a young age and if we don't address it, then it turns into an even bigger problem as, as we get older and as kids turn to teens and teens turn to young adults and into older adults. And we need to really remove that stigma that what happens in a home stays in the home. We really need to encourage people to go and seek that mental health because there's a lot of people. I mean, look at all those people that are shooting up the schools that are mentally ill or people that are just going on these killing sprees. They're, they're definitely mentally ill. How about some of those folks that uh, got shot by the police because they were mentally ill and they were approaching the cops in the wrong way. But instead of them trying to diffuse the situation, they just shot them. And then, you know, these are people that escape from mental facilities that they have mental issues and no one sees that when you see someone being aggressive. No one, ha no one has the whole space to say, okay, this person doesn't look like they're well, you know? So I really right. wanted to highlight that. And she did a great job. She did a really great job um, of showcasing all facets of mental health, mental illness, mental wellness. And so I really enjoyed doing that. I'm actually still promoting that because you know, the holidays are really mentally stressful for a lot of people. You know, you get around your family that you don't see all year. So yeah, mental health care is definitely something that we really need to just keep going. So the next episode we did was Mommy Issues, Improving Mother-Daughter Relationships. This one hit home for me. Um, I don't have the best relationship with my mother. So in doing this episode, I learned so much more about what I need to do as a daughter to improve uh, our relationship and what I need to do as a mother to improve my relationship with my daughters. When I had the idea to do this episode with Milana the Maverick Maven, I actually met Milana in a clubhouse room and and clubhouse is apparently the new chat room where a lot of professionals go in there you open up a room and you have all these great discussions and so I got into a women's Christian coaching room and she was in that room and she immediately connected with me she must have read my bio and and yeah I, I spoke in the room and introduced myself and so I think she um, read my bio when she was like, hey, I'd like to be on your podcast. And and we just made the appointment and got it done. And uh, we talked about mommy issues, but we specifically talked about her relationship with her mother. And she shared a lot of her life, including self-marketing. That's what we're going to call it. And it was enlightening to hear how much she had been through to hear how much her mother played such a role in her life and the things and decisions that she made as a result of the self-esteem substance that she put in her. Like when somebody makes you feel worthless, you start believing it at some point. And we really dove into mother-daughter relationships. And so I shared a little bit of my relationship with my mother and in my relationships with my daughters. Did you get to listen to that one yet? I started that one, but I also logged into your um, live um, Instagram with her and listened okay. to you 
both recap and talk kind of a little bit more on the topic. So I was <clears throat> giving a lot of comments on there. You had both touched on some topics that kind of resonated with me, um, talking about how as a woman, as a mother, um, how a lot of the things that you do and say really impact your daughters and your children's lives. And one of the things that I remember commenting on was um, about how some, I know you were talking about like the whole jealousy piece and how sometimes people feel like their daughters are jealous of them or their daughters feel like their moms are jealous of them. And I remember talking about or thinking about how I think sometimes, whether it's intentional or not, I think sometimes um, moms will, sometimes they compare their daughters to other girls and other women. And I think as a young girl, sometimes we get the um, impression that, wow, maybe that's who my mom wishes that I was or more like her. Um, And so we get that resentment sometimes. And I know that's a lot of the feelings that I grew up with. I never was super close to my mom. But I I think, you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned (laughs) a lot more about how I'm very similar to my mom. But I've made a list of things that I don't want to instill in my daughter that my mom kind of instilled in me. So, yeah, I really liked that one. It was, I think, very insightful to, um, you know, how I grew up and the relationship I had with my mom versus the relationship that I want to have with my daughter. Yeah. And you just said something right there. I realized that I am somewhat like my mom. I definitely don't have the takeover spirit because I definitely don't get into my kids' business as much as my mother gets into uh, our business, even as we're all adults. Like her youngest child is 43 and she is still in everybody's business. That's one thing that I will never do with my kids. I feel like you're grown. If you want to tell me stuff, then I'm here to listen. But for me to try and run your life for you or be involved in your marriage, like I know people that are married and their spouses, mothers are so involved in their relationship and it has so many different opinions that it influences the other person. I definitely didn't want to be that mother, but I tried to really instill a lot of substance into my daughters. A lot of the things that I didn't get from my mother, I tried to give it to my daughters. I tried to give them a platform to listen because when I was growing up, the teachers could say, Noreen did this at school and I would immediately go home and get a whooping. Nobody asked me if I did it just because a person of authority said it happened. It must be so. And so I'm, like I said, from a long time, I've never had anyone standing up for me or standing in a gap for me or even advocating for me. Like maybe this doesn't sound right. doesn't sound like my daughter. My daughter's pretty quiet or otherwise. And so, yeah, we would really get disciplined for that. And so with my daughters, I didn't want to do any of that. I wanted to give them a choice to say, yes, I did this or no, I didn't, or here's what happened. And this is how this happened, you know, and then I would discern from there because you know your children, you know your children. I always try to give them the benefit of a doubt and no, nobody gave me that. So I always try to do opposite of what my mother did with me. But one thing that she did that I do like, she definitely taught me some life skills with sewing and cooking and cleaning and different things and, you know, how to manage money. You know, it didn't make sense then when she was doing it, but now that I, I'm a grown woman and I manage my own wallet and I look back on it, I was like, oh, that was some serious money management that she had to do. I mean, it was a house of, let's see, it was nine children and two adults and our, and our cousin came. So it was a lot of people in the house. It definitely wasn't a quiet, one bathroom too. So <laughs> yeah. those relationships are really, really important. 
you know, because a woman, a woman teaches her daughter how to become a woman, but you have to create that right. bond first so that your daughter would be receptive to what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I think growing up, I remember, you know, always being jealous of um, the relationships some of my friends had with their moms. You know, I would see that their moms were like their friends. Um, and they were really close to their moms and their moms always believed them and, you know, things like that. And I always would be like, wow, I wish my mom was like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think as I've gotten older, I realized one, I am very much like my mother. Um, and two, as much as I wish things could have been different for our relationship, um, you know, kind of like you just said, my mom taught me a lot. Um, you know, I look back and my mom raised 10 children, you know, she battled cancer for 26 years and she, she like never skipped a beat. She was married for 35 plus years in her, in her marriage to my dad. Um, so she was a strong woman, a very wow. strong woman to say the least. And I think she instilled in me a lot of work ethic and morals and values and how to love people and raise children and, you know, take care of the house and to work hard for what I need and what I want in life. Um, so I think I, I think I got a lot of that from her. And so those are the qualities that I definitely want to pass on to my child. Um, as she watches me as she grows up. Um, but then there are things I think that my mom also did that kind of hurt me. And I think to this day, they still hurt, you know, the way that she would talk about my body or how she would sometimes make me feel about my appearance or, you know, things that I wish that I could have been better at, but she made sure to let me know that I wasn't very good at it, you know? Um, and so those are the things that I don't want to instill in my child. And so yeah. I think as we grow up and we become even if we don't become parents, but, you know, become aunts to people or bonus aunts to our friends, children, um, to really decipher where those boundary lines of what do we want to pass on from our mothers and what do we not want to pass on and to make sure that, you know, we're not hurting other people and to make sure that we're, we're passing the good on. Exactly. Yeah. I, I definitely, um, liked all the things that we've learned when we were doing that episode. And I we definitely put some tips for mothers to bring their daughters closer to them and tips for daughters to bring their mothers close to them. And so um, those were also well received. And I actually took those to heart myself. And, I, and I'm glad that we, we did a clubhouse on that one. And we also did the Instagram live as well as the episode. So we talked about that a lot because there was a lot to really say in that space. And the last episode that we did i just published it so i don't think that you might have had a chance to really listen to that one yet uh, i have it, not it's called wife material and i'm like oh this one is gonna <laughs> be <laughs> i really enjoyed that one because i felt like in my first marriage nobody told me what i needed to be a wife and growing up with this conservative christian caribbean mother you know, you're taught cooking, cleaning, taking care of your children, but those are just basic. Nobody tells you how strong you have to be mentally. Nobody tells you how every argument is not, you don't need to entertain it. Or nobody told me, hey, you need to make sure this guy has this. You know, these are things that you need to look out for. And so with that one, I really wanted to just spill the tea on what to look for. Like, hey, sis, let me tell you, this is what you need to look for in a guy. These are the key things that you might want in your relationship, like communication, patience. And, and minds have been tried a time or two. How you deal with your in-laws, how you deal with your family members, setting up boundaries with your families. Because like I said earlier, 
And there are a lot of families that have no boundaries. They will talk about your spouse, you know, in front of your face. They would gossip about you behind your back. You know, it's just a lot. And so trying to just manage those errors. And I always personally say, I hate when people get in arguments with their spouse and the first thing they do is they go to social media and they want to put up all these different things about their partner. And then you have all these people beneath making all these different comments. And then the spouse is like, not even aware that this is happening. And sometimes the spouse or the partner doesn't even know they've done anything wrong because this person is a person that they would hold it and they wouldn't say anything, but they would tell Facebook and then they have all this advice and then they'll go back to their spouse and then that's just counterproductive. So yeah. I definitely wanted to just give some insight on that. And I actually had this mantra that I do, it's the five F's, you know, and it's like finding yourself faith, family, foundation, and finances. And those are five areas that I feel that people really need to dive into before they go hitching their wagon to somebody else's. Talk about it before the ring hits the finger. Don't talk about it five years down the line because you, for instance, you wanna know if this guy spends money, how he spends it, what's he spending it on, is he gambling? You know, you wanna know all these good and bad traits about the person before you marry him. So what I wanted to do with that is just put everything out there, put everything out there. These are the things that happened to me that I wanted to pass on. But yeah, I think that hopefully people are receptive to it. I've got a couple listens on it so far. You know, I put some questions in there on what kind of tips people would give to people that are trying to get married. You know, there's a lot of people that are trying to do that. I think at the beginning of the year, everybody's like, "I'm. this is the year I get the ring. <laughs> you know, I had a girlfriend I used to work with. She had a binder. She was dating this guy. She had the dress. She had the ring she wanted. She had where she wanted to go for her honeymoon. She had picked out her colors. She already knew where she was going to get married. All this guy had to do was pop the question. And all she had to do was say, all systems are go. <laughs> and the funny thing about that story is, they went to romantic places. They went to Vegas. They went to the Bahamas. They went to Disney World. I, the ring traveled, but he'd never asked. Oh. And then finally one Christmas, right when they're getting ready to go to bed for the evening, he asked. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. She was ready. Yeah. I have oftentimes been told by some of my friends that know me closest. Uh, when I get into relationships and I truly you know, care about the person, I love very hard. Um, and so my friends have sometimes had to, to pull me back and say, Catherine, sometimes there are things that a wife does and there are things that a girlfriend does. And you don't need to be a wife until you're somebody's wife. Um, exactly. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that, that I, if I'm not someone's wife yet, some of my duties are not, I don't have to do all the wifely duties yet. Um, now I think that there's a, a balance of, let me show this person that if I become their wife, that I'm able to, to do, you know, the things that they're going to need in order to take care of the family. Um, but I have learned I don't have to be a wife yet until oh, yeah. someone can make me their, their wife. Um, so that's a big lesson I've had to learn. And I think a lot of time, I mean, I think that's how a lot of people are in relationships. If they haven't necessarily been treated the right way in, in certain relationships, you know, when they find one that they want to keep, I think sometimes it's easy to jump right into that role of mm -hmm. being wife material. Cause I don't know if, if maybe we feel like we're trying to prove something to ourselves or to other people. Um, but that is a lesson I've had to learn is 
if I'm the girlfriend, be the girlfriend and you don't have to jump right in and be the wife until it's time to be the wife, you know? Exactly. Because you no. might be giving people wife treatment that don't even deserve girlfriend treatment. Right, right. Yeah. And then I think what I have found in my life is I have invested into people that never deserved it. Um, and then it's like, sometimes I know my partner and I have a lot of conversations about our previous partners and investing into them to an extent where it's almost like we don't feel like it's it's valuable enough to invest into the next person because someone else has kind of drained us of those mannerisms or those characteristics. Um, and so making sure that you don't invest into the wrong people, which sometimes we do, and that's a learning lesson for each person. Um, but sometimes you have to you have to really hone in on your own self and think, is this person really worth it? Because um, I don't want to treat the next person like they're not worth it when really they could be worth it. Um, exactly. And so I think that's something I've learned. I think my partner's learning that too. Um, you know, we have a lot of conversations about that, just about how we feel like we deserve certain things and how we feel like we want to be able to provide as a husband and a wife later on down the road. Um, I do know that I have the ring picked out like that one lady, <laughs> but I, I have not, no other details picked out. So then up to him. <laughs> you don't have a secret binder? <laughs> no, no, I have disclosed that. I want it to be like a grand proposal. Like I don't, I told him he better not propose in the kitchen or in the living room or in my house. It better be somewhere like out and about, like surprise me. But those were like the only two stipulations that I put in place that it needs to be like a nice actual gesture and that I have a very specific style of ring that I like. I put that out there as you being his mother. <clears throat> I'm just letting you know too. <laughs> well. Well, I already saw the ring, so I'm like, well, <laughs> well, I think you're going to like that episode. I, at least I hope you do. Um, yeah, I decided to listen to it. Yeah, I, I just wanted to pass on some of that information that I felt would have been helpful to me. But I used that information to get better with this new marriage that I'm in and um, learn not to accept just anything and learn right. not to learn to say no to people that may not serve you. And when you get married, you marry the family. Oh, so yeah. That first trip, let me tell you, it's <laughs> not easy. There was a bunch of meddling people that just, I'm not going to put all the blame on everyone else. We were in it. We had our demons that we were fighting. We didn't know how to come together to hear each other and understand and, and, and give grace. Now that I'm older and it's been, what, 15, 16 years since we've been divorced, I know so much now that I wish I'd known then. And one of the biggest things is listen to your husband. <laughs> that might be very small, but that one phrase goes a long way. You have to listen because we have a different understanding and a different capacity for understanding and being empathetic than men do. And they don't, they don't speak our language when they're hurt or when they're sick or when they feel disrespected. They don't speak the same language we do. You have to really be like the husband whisperer. <laughs> you do. You have to really figure out who your spouse is. They can verbalize stuff, but they don't speak our language the way we speak it. We understand things on a totally different level. So that's what we've been doing this year. 14 episodes. We started off in March. And I should have had more episodes done. However, the way my work-life balance was set up, I was not able to record and edit and put out as much as I, I wanted to. 
Vision 2022, I hold myself accountable to get more done, to schedule people and edit right after. But it is my goal to definitely put out more, at least maybe three or four a month, maybe one a week, maybe have a series. So I'll do a series on financial health and relationships, mother-daughter relationships, how to grow your business or whatever. Some basic things that we can all really get into. And then we'll sprinkle in some other tips and advice. So I do want to hold an event next year. That's another thing that I have on the horizon. And it'll be like a hastis event where we would all get together and we would just have this discourse. We would have younger women there and um, we would just be able to let them know, hey, hey sis, we're here and just teach the younger girls. You're not in this by yourself. You can tell us what's going on, especially with domestic abuse. There's a lot of people that feel that they can't tell. So I would love to do that. I've got a website in the works where big things are going to be happening. And there's a lot that I've started that is going to be happening in, in 2022 for Save Our Sisters and the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Since we're still in a pandemic, um, the Facebook group would be where we would be doing most of our stuff since I think the variants are making us go back on lockdown. So we probably won't be meeting in person. So we'll probably do more Zoom meetings or if we can ever get that other platform <laughs> to the, the what's it called, uh, StreamYard to work so we can do live streams and people can really just interact. Those are the things that I would really like to do for next year. So any final thoughts? No, I, I've enjoyed being able to follow your journey and being able to, to listen and communicate with you about each episode and, um, and as I hear about your vision for the upcoming year, I'm excited to see what all you can accomplish and to be part of wherever, you know, you invite women into those spaces. So I'm excited for a, a great year for you um, ahead of you. And I know you've been equipping your, your studio with more equipment. So the broadcasts are going to get bigger and better. Um, oh yeah. So I'm looking forward to, to a successful year for you and um, being able to follow that journey with you. Yeah, I definitely look forward to having you be more involved um, and bringing the baby with you so that when she's coming up, she'll be already in the know. So when she arrives at the table where we big women sit, she will act like she's been there before. She won't be surprised. Well, thank you for just uh, coming on with me and during all of, oh gosh, the technology issues that we've had and coming from platform to platform to try and do something and then we ended up being here on zoom and and just doing a, a video instead of going live and having the live interaction so i i really appreciate your willingness to bring the baby with you and by <laughs> any means necessary we got this done so yeah. thank you so much and uh i wish nothing but the best for you for the new year i know you have your own goals for yourself your family and your baby and work and those are all in separate buckets because they <laughs> all require separate attention so i i wish you nothing but the best and i appreciate you coming on here with me today yes well thank you for the invite oh you're welcome anytime we're going to be doing this again and i'm going to take the time out to learn the technology of the other <laughs> places and figure out what the errors mean and speak with technical support and get it going because yeah we definitely have big things to be popping in 2022 all right well enjoy and happy new year happy new year yes happy new year
you for joining this episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Hopefully you found it to be inspiring and you've received great information you can use in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your sis some love by subscribing on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review. We're on Instagram at SaveOurSisters underscore 2020 and check out our YouTube page. If you would like to continue the conversation, join our Save Our Sisters group on Facebook. Until next time, sis, and remember to love yourself.